Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to First Colony. I'm so glad all of you guys are here today. For all of you in the room, for all of you who are watching us online, thank you for being here today. Man, what, a, what an incredible thing it is to gather in this place and to be able to worship Jesus together. Somebody say amen. It's such a joy to gather in this place and to be together with all of you. And, you know, we say this here at First Colony all the time, but it, it really is true that we want to honor God in all we do. And we want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And I want to begin with that today because my guess is there, there's someone in the room today and for you it, it's your first time here. Or maybe it's your first time to be here in a long time. I want you to know you're welcome here. For some of you, you came in this morning and, and you're on top of the world. But there are some of you that are here today and, and you're at the bottom of the valley. Some of you, maybe you feel closer to God than you've ever felt before. And there's others, you feel like God is a million miles away. And I want you to know wherever you are or wherever you think you are in your relationship with God today, I want you to know you're welcome here. And some of you may say, well, that, Corey, that's not true. I mean, like, if you knew what I knew about me, you would know I really don't belong within 100 miles of a church. I'm not even sure how I got here today. I want you to know you're welcome here today. And I can say that with 100% confidence. Because we're all welcome here today. Because this isn't my church, it's not Ronnie's church, this isn't our church, this is God's church. And His grace is enough for you, enough for me, it's enough for all of us. And all of us are welcome here in this place. That's, there's a sense in which that, that is the essence of what we believe. And that's the faith that we want to pass on. That's a part of the faith we want to pass on to the next generation. For the last couple of weeks, Ronnie's been, 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 he's done a great job of introducing this series called Pass It On. This idea, it's a simple yet significant idea that, that, that a part of our faith baked into the DNA of our faith is this essential element of sharing our faith with others, of passing it on to others. Did you know your faith is not just about you? Our faith is not just about us. An essential part of our faith is passing it on to the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. And what I want to do today is just pick up that baton that Ronnie's been carrying the last couple of weeks and take it the next lap or two around the track. And I want to begin today with this question. Think about this. What is it? What are you pursuing that, that if you had it, everything would be better? What is it? What are you pursuing? That if you had it, everything would be better. There's a story. I don't know if you've heard the story, but in July 2005, July 14, 2005, there was a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald. One day he's sitting at his desk and he, he picks up this red paper clip and he begins to look at it. And he has this idea because he remembered this game he played when he was a kid called Bigger, Better. And the simple idea behind the game as a kid was you just take whatever you got and you look to trade with somebody else for something bigger, something better. Where now he's an adult. He's at work. I don't know what he's doing. He's not working. He's looking at this red paper clip and he's thinking, I wonder if I could do that with this red paper clip. So he takes a picture of it and he, he posts it online and he says, I've got this red paper clip. Would anybody want to trade with me? And sure enough, somebody responded. And they said, well, you know, I've got this pen that looks like a fish. 
I'd love to trade you for that red paper clip. And so he meets up with this person and he trades up. He's thinking, that's amazing. That pen shaped like a fish, that's bigger and better than, than this red paper clip. I mean, he's winning right now. This is great, good news. Well, he takes a picture of that pen that looks like, shaped like a fish and he, he, he posts it online. Hey, would anybody want to trade me for this pen shaped like a fish? fish? And sure enough, somebody said, I've got a doorknob with a crazy face on it. I'd love to trade you. <laughs> And he thinks, that's amazing, that, that doorknob, that's way better than this pen shaped like a fish. Well, then he trades that doorknob for a camping stove. He trades that camping stove for an electric generator. He keeps making trade after trade after trade till he ends up with a two-story house. And he started with a red paper clip. How did that happen? Well, it happened because one day Kyle McDonald has this idea, I wonder if I could trade up for something bigger something better. And you know what? We're living in a world, aren't we, where everybody's trying to trade up for something bigger, something better. We live in a world of constant pursuit. And the reality is, for a lot of us, we would trade just about anything to get whatever it is that we think is bigger and better. We would. And we have. We've believed the lie that if we could just get it, whatever it is, we would be happier, we would be healthier, we would be better. And so we've, we've, we've been striving all of our days trying to get more of this and more of that, more money, bigger houses, better cars, better jobs, more titles, more positions, more achievements, more of whatever. And we just keep thinking if we can just get the next thing, whatever it is, then we'll be happy. We're striving. We, our life is one constant pursuit. We keep trying to trade up for something bigger and better. But the problem, and you know what the problem is, the problem is whenever we get it, whatever it is, we never find what we're looking for. People have never been more isolated and more alone. People have never been more riddled with fear and anxiety. People have never felt more despair and depression. Why is that? We thought if we could just get it, whatever it is, then we would finally feel better. But we've traded away. We've traded away our, our time with family for fortune. We thought what they needed was more of this or more of that. What they really needed was more of us. Some of us have traded away our virginity looking for love. Some people have traded away financial freedom trying to keep up with the Joneses. We've traded up just about everything to get more clicks, more likes, more follows, more whatever. But we've been tricked, lied to, deceived. We thought if we could just get more. We thought we were trading up. And one day we wake up and realize we've been trading down the whole time. But what if? What if there was one pursuit that if we chose to pursue this one thing above every other thing, we might just finally find what our soul's been yearning for and searching for the whole time. You might be tempted to think that this problem, this game of bigger and better that all of us are playing, you might think that it, it's a new thing, a new problem, or, or maybe it's an American thing, but the truth is this game is as old as time. 
In fact, if you go back some 2,000 years, what you find is our friend, the Apostle Paul, talking to a young man, Timothy, his son in the faith, about maybe the greatest pursuit in his life. Throughout this series, we're leaning into Paul's words to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy. If you have your Bible, if you have a, a Bible app on your phone, let me encourage you to open up to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This morning, what I want us to do together is just lean into these, these words of the elder Paul at the end of his life, passing on these words of wisdom to his young friend in the faith, Timothy, about the greatest pursuit of his life. And before we read this passage, we'll start in verse 11 of chapter 6. I want to encourage you, if you're a mom or a dad, if you're a grandfather or grandmother, if you're a person who has influence over children in your life, you may want to underline these words, screenshot these words, highlight these words, and then speak these words over your children, your grandchildren. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. He says, but you, Timothy, you are a man of God. He starts with, with, with identity. Timothy, let me tell you who you are. This is who you are. You, Timothy, you are a man of God, and you are called to be different. You are called to live different. This is who you are. God has placed you in this world at this time, in this culture. Yes, absolutely, for such a time as this, you are called to live in this world, but you are not to follow the ways of this world. No, Timothy, you, you're different. You're a man of God. You're called to be different. I'm often inspired by the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his letter from a Birmingham jail. He's writing to white, influential Christian pastors in that city, in that community, urging them, imploring them to do the right thing. And I want you to hear his words. He writes, there was a time when the church was very powerful in the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever the early Christians entered the town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict Christians for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But the Christians pressed on in the conviction that they were a colony of heaven called to obey God rather than man. Small in number, they were big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. By their effort and example, they brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contests. But things are different now. So often the contemporary church is a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it is an arch defender of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was calling Christians and Christian leaders 
in the Birmingham area to be a thermostat, to change the atmosphere around them, to transform the world around them. And I wonder if he were here today, if he wouldn't call us to do the same thing. I wonder if the Apostle Paul were here today, if he wouldn't call us to do the same thing. Paul's words to Timothy here, he reminds him of his identity. This is who you are. You are a man of God. You are called to live differently. You are called to change the world, change the culture, change the city around you by the way you live, by the way you love. He said, Timothy, this is who you are. You are a man of God. And this is what that means. It begins with this. So run. Run from all these evil things. What evil things is Paul talking about? Well, he doesn't leave that up to the imagination. In nearly every letter that Paul writes, he he has a list of, of some of the evil things that are present in his day, in his time, in his culture. What's really interesting is that 2,000 years later, things really haven't changed all that much. If you back up to chapter 1, you see the list of the the kinds of things that Paul wants Timothy to run from. Chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes, We know that the law is good when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. And then Paul goes on to talk about the sin of pride, drunkenness, the love of money, being violent, quarrelsome, and more. More often than not, what happens is that the culture around us, it acts as the thermostat trying to normalize what it says is right. But it's our job as the sons and daughters of God, as the people of God, to act as a thermostat in the world around us, changing the world around us by the way we live, by the way we love. And we always live from a place of love. And Paul's encouragement to Timothy here is to live from that place, but run from evil things. But you know, like I know, the temptation, the temptation is not to run. The temptation is to linger. And you know what happens when we linger. Whenever we linger, we begin to rationalize. And all of a sudden, what felt so bad doesn't maybe feel so bad anymore. And then we begin to believe the lie that really the only person we're hurting in this situation, if we're hurting anyone at all, is just us. And then we wake up one day and we look around and we realize just what we've done, how far we've gone, and that we didn't just hurt us. No, we, we actually hurt the people that we love the most. And I wonder if maybe we need to recover spiritual practice of running from evil things. But just so you know, the Christian life isn't just about what we're called to run from. It's about what we're supposed to be running towards. You keep reading and the very next thing Paul says is this. He says, pursue righteousness, run towards righteousness, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith love, perseverance, and gentleness. I don't know about you, but I I used to think that the Christian life 
was all about the things that we weren't supposed to do, you know? It was all about all the things we're supposed to avoid. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance, and don't date girls that do. Like that's what, that's the Christian life. It's all about what we're supposed to avoid, right? The problem with that is that now the Christian life becomes all about sin avoidance. It's all about what we're not supposed to do. But Paul is saying, Timothy, absolutely, you got to run from evil things. But it's not just about that. It's about what you got to run towards. This is the way to live a life that pleases God. This is a way to live the abundant life. It's not just about what you're running from. It's about what you're running towards. This is what it looks like to live a rich and a meaningful life. Pursue righteousness. Pursue a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Does that list sound familiar? It should. Paul's dipping back right here into the fruit of the Spirit. Cultivate in your life, Timothy. Cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It's not just about what you have to avoid. It's about what you want to cultivate, what you want to pursue. It's about pursuing and cultivating the right things in your life. I love what Mark Batterson says in his book, The Double Blessing. He makes this observation, and I think this is brilliant. He says, let me ask you a simple question. If you plant carrot seeds, what do you get? Well, the easy answer is carrots. How about pumpkin seeds? Well, the obvious answer is pumpkins. What if you don't plant anything? You might think the answer is nothing, but what you actually get is weeds. How many of us? have spent so much of our time trying to avoid that sin, that temptation that just keeps coming back. And we can't seem to find our way past it, to find our way through it, to overcome it, whatever it is that is coming against us. Our life up to this point, our Christian life up to this point has been all about sin avoidance. But it seems like we can't ever get past it. It's like that old game of whack-a-mole. Every time we think we got one thing defeated, something else pops up. And, and, and let me just tell you, and maybe you've never heard this, maybe you didn't know this, but if you're trying to live the Christian life, if you're trying to live into the abundant life that Jesus has invited you into, you're never going to do it if your life is all about sin avoidance. The only way to get there is to pursue righteousness and the godly life, to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life, to, to be drawn into deeper faith, deeper hope, deeper love. If you're not engaging with God, if you're not engaging in the Word of God, if you're not spending time over time in prayer to God, if you're not engaging in the life of the church and in God's church, you're never going to, to, to be able to break free from those things that are holding you back and keeping you down. If your life is all about sin, avoidance, what you're trying to run from, it's always going to drag you back down into that pit. The only way to get out is to pursue God, pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue hope, pursue love, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Paul calls Timothy to cultivate this fruit of the Spirit in his life. Cultivate it. Pursue it. And then he tells Timothy, he reminds him, hey, this is a battle. This will not be easy. In verse 12, he says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Fight for the true faith. Well, what's the true faith? 
Paul has said it over and over and over again up to this point. In chapter 1, he says it this way, verse 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Turn the page to chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Paul writes, there is one God and mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Turn the page again to chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says it this way, Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, announced to the nations, believed in throughout the world, and taken to heaven and glory in this church. This is the good news. This is the gospel. It's not that you were bad and Jesus came in to make you better. No, it's that you were dead in your sin. And Jesus came to give you life. And the way to life is the way of pursuit. To pursue righteousness and the godly life. So I want to just ask you, what are you pursuing? What are you after? And are you pursuing God? It was on July 14, 2018, that the Athletics World Cup men's 4 by 100 meter relay race was run in London. That particular day, the Jamaican team was supposed to win. They were the fastest team on the field that day. And they were in pursuit of first place. But something happened. Something went wrong that caused them to lose that race. Let's watch this. Of course, the world record held by Jamaica, including a certain Usain Bolt in this stadium back on the 11th of August 2012. 36.84. I don't think we're going to see that. Poland in one, Jamaica in two, then Germany three, Great Britain going four, South Africa five, France in six, China seven, USA on the outside in lane eight. Well, the baton changes can make all the difference. You can win just by maintaining that speed of the baton, even if your athletes aren't the greatest quartet. Safe changeovers there by everybody, it looks like, although Jamaica had a bit of a mare and their second leg athletes. Carter going way out into lane two as he picked, picked up the button. Very safe, not a great changeover from the USA there. Possibly going best of all of the month, South Africa in four, in five rather. And Germany looking fabulous in three. Germany with good changeovers with their last leg man. Menga here, carry it home well, or will it be chased down? They're coming, they're coming at him, and here comes the American Burrell on the outside. USA are going to take it by a metre from Jamaica, I think, just down South Africans. It was a tall, tall order for Ricardo Adams of uh, South Africa to hang on to that lead. It was a healthy lead, maybe a couple of meters when he took over on that ankle leg, but surely it was too much to ask to expect him to hold on from the USA. It's a trap win by the USA. Here's some changeovers here. Oh, it's the incoming runner's responsibility to hand the batter over. You have to put your hand, of course, in a high, good, clear position, but it's the incoming runner's responsibility. So Jamaica had a bit of a fumble, but the USA, fair play to them. Look at that, looks across, eight points. And the outgoing runner, of course, shouldn't have to look back. He should just feel that slap of the baton into the palm of his hand, shouldn't he? Great Britain, by the way, eighth and last in that one. Not what they wanted, goodness me. We live in a world of constant pursuit. 
where everyone is training up for something bigger, something better. And we're pursuing all kinds of different things. And, and, and I want you to hear me say not all those pursuits are bad. But what happens for so many of us, you've seen it, I've seen it. We spend so much time pursuing all these other things that when it comes time to pass on the most important baton, when it comes time to pass on the baton of faith, what happens is we fumble the handoff. Because in our lives, we spend so much time chasing after all these different things, pursuing all these different things, that we fail to pass off the one thing that matters more than any other thing. Paul's charge to Timothy, pursue God. Paul's charge to Timothy, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And do you know the point of this entire letter? It's for him to pass on that pursuit to generation after generation after generation after generation. Did you hear the commentator? They said it's the job of the incoming runner to make that clean handoff, to make that baton pass clean from one runner to the next. It's our job. It's you and me, those of us who've been running this race for a while now. It's our responsibility to make a clean handoff, to pass off that baton of faith from our generation to the next generation. In church, we cannot afford to fumble the handoff. The most important thing for you and for me is to keep this as our chief aim and our sole focus, to pursue God. To pursue God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And I just wonder what would happen if that was true. I just wonder what would happen for our children, for our grandchildren, if what they saw in you and me were the people in their life whom they know love them most, pursue God with all they have and all they are. Church, if you would, let's stand. I want to encourage you to pursue God today, but more than that, I want to encourage you to pray for those people who are in your life to whom you want to pass on this baton of faith to. In fact, in a moment, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to have people up here to receive you if you need prayer. If maybe you feel like right now you've let a lot of other pursuits get in the way of the one pursuit that's more important than any other pursuit, and you want someone to, to just encourage you and bless you and pray with you and help you, we would love to pray with you. Or maybe there's somebody on your heart today, and you're like, man, if I could pass off this baton to one person, I want to make sure they receive it. Would you pray for this person? Absolutely, we would love to do that. Maybe today you're ready to receive the baton of faith. Maybe you haven't taken that step yet to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but there's people who are cheering you on, who are running you down, trying to hand that baton to you. And today's the day you're like, I'm ready. We would love to pray with you. And you may wonder, what's at the end of all this? What's the prize? Yeah, you run this race. We passed that baton. We pursue God with all we have, we all, with all that we are. What happens next? Here's the best part. When you pursue God, you know what you find? You find another gospel truth. 
you find that when you pursue God, what you discover, he is already pursuing you. We serve a God who pursues us and who loves us and who wants us, who wants us to experience this faith, this hope, this love, this life that is only available in Christ Jesus our Lord.